The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, apparently, the run-up to the season did finally catch up to me. You can probably hear it in my voice. Things are a little bit beaten up here. Uh, some kind of weird uh, laryngitis, I guess. I mean, I've just felt a little bit off. It hasn't been an overwhelming deal, and I'm sure I'll somehow make it through the show. But it might be a tiny bit shorter today. And all I'm hoping is that as we work our way through the pod, whatever this is kind of just loosens up for the course of the show. Because I'm having trouble listening to me, and I'm betting that you guys are going to be like, ah, this is... I know he sounds okay, but just it sounds strained right now. Anyway, uh, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I'm Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. We've been doing that exercise for a week and change now, at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from Hoopball, and up I shall pop. This is a Hoopball presentation. Hoop-ball.com is the website, also brought to you by Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company, HawaiianIsles.com or H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter. Check them out immediately. It is the day before the NBA season. We are officially in countdown mode. We will have one more show tomorrow morning on Tuesday before there are actual games that have happened. But in kind of a look ahead here, I just wanted to give everybody a, a preview. And many of you have been listening to the show long enough that you know kind of how this stuff works. And some of you are like, why don't you just dive straight into things right at the beginning of the podcast? Well, this is a thing to me. I want you guys to know what to expect from this show as we now hit the in-season portion of the proceedings. What I mean by that is, and the off-season has heavily been about analyzing player movement, what new rosters look like, obviously a ton of time we've spent on mock drafts, industry draft results, ESPN rankings, Yahoo rankings, the whole, we've run the gamut here over the last month and a half on just different ways to prepare for draft season. And we're going to do that for one more day today by analyzing the real results of some of my leagues that happened that had drafts over the weekend. So this is real. It's not a mock draft. Nobody can screw around. Everybody's trying to win money. And I thought it was kind of a cool way to know, forget ADPs anymore. Forget ADP. Forget mock drafts, forget all of that stuff that we've been working on for a month and a half the, over the weekend. And this is for those of you that still have drafts coming up later today. I have another one today, so I do think this is still heavily relevant. We're going to look and see where guys actually went on the last weekend of fantasy draft season. Starting tomorrow, well, we're going to talk to uh, Dr. A, which should be a lot of fun. We'll talk about some of his draft hits and misses draft season prep, season prep in general, and, and a lot of good stuff. That'll be with Dr. A tomorrow. But outside of our amazing guest coming up on tomorrow's show, it's also going to be sort of the first game preview iteration of Fantasy NBA Day today of the season. And again, this is kind of a reminder for those that listened to the show last year, but for those that are joining us this season for the first time, and there are quite a few of you I can see from the various numbers, what we do once the season begins is analyze the big storylines from a fantasy perspective that occurred in the games that happened the night before, what we're watching for in the games coming up, any betting angles in the games coming up, for those of you that are into gaming, and I am one of those people, breaking news, and then we'll also have some guests, much like Dr. A, we'll talk about you know different portions of the season because... The first part of the season is what we in the analyst realm like to refer to as the small sample size portion of the season, where people overreact to slow starts, hot starts, buy low, sell high season is in full effect. Today, however, we have one more day to prepare for your draft. We're going to assume that folks do have an additional draft coming up this evening, I think this will be a fun exercise, not just because we get to go over what happened in leagues that where people really are playing for money and the drafts happened yesterday, the day before. So we're like really in tight to the start of the season. All the fantasy news is in there. 
people are watching the numbers. They've got their own projections, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, it's interesting to see how that goes. Yes, it's going to help us prepare if we have additional drafts coming up this evening. But I think it's also going to be a way for you guys to listen in and find out, hey, here's what my own team consists of. What do I need to adjust for? So we're going to dive right on into that stuff. I got plenty of other things I want to tell you about, but we'll do that uh, a a little bit later on in today's podcast. As usual, most of the stuff we talk about on this show is going to be nine-category leagues. I play in almost all nine-category leagues, and it's going to be geared heavily towards Roto results. Because we can all make our adjustments. Here's the thing, just very quickly here, before we even dive into the results, and this is important to know. People have asked this a few times on Twitter and and once or twice in the HoopBall forums as well. How do I take Roto rankings, such as the B150 or whatever I'm talking about on this podcast, how do I adjust those for head-to-head? Uh, we've asked Brewski this question many times. We ask him once every single season, and he says, don't, basically. Just use them as you would use the Roto rankings, because in his B150, for instance, he's already adjusted for games played, which is generally the one big factor that you're looking at between Roto games cap and a head-to-head format. I actually make some slight tweaks on that, uh, because Brew is largely in weekly leagues, which I think simplifies that a little bit because if a guy misses some games you can't there's nothing you can do about it if it happens at the beginning of the week if it happens at the end of the week etc cetera, etc cetera. you're making your choices just on Mondays in daily leagues I do think there are a couple other distinct separations between how you treat your roto ranks and your head-to-head ranks number one with head-to-head rankings guys that miss a ton of games due to injury or are injury prone I think you bump them pretty far down the list you've heard me say on this podcast how much I adore Chris Paul, and I got him in both of my nine-cat roto drafts over the weekend, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I have a head-to-head draft coming up, and I am not touching him inside the top 50, which is crazy because I was targeting him in the 30s in roto drafts, which basically means in a head-to-head league, I'm probably not getting him. I'm probably not going to pick a guy that I think is going to miss at least 15 games this year. Even if his per-game numbers are really, really good, if you're in a head-to-head daily league, there's probably no games cap. You might have a weekly moves limit, and you should, by the way, because streaming should be strategic, not just pick up and drop three guys every single day. A guy that just misses a game a week, which is close to what you're looking at there, is a massive punch in the gut. Oh, here's a guy. You should have a four-game week. It's three. He had the three-game week. It should be two. You're constantly thinking about whether or not you should put him on your bench. That's not worth it in head-to-head. In Roto, it doesn't matter where the games missed happen. In head-to-head, not only do you have to look at guys who are injury-prone, you have to look at guys on really horrible teams that could go into a tank mode. How many teams are there floating around that have very good players on a very bad team? Or very young players with massive future potential on a very bad team? Look at the bottoms of the rankings from last year, and you can make a quick assessment. Does Charlotte have any of these guys? Probably the whole damn team, but they'll probably just play it out because they're going to be terrible, and they they won't have to bench anybody to tank. Atlanta? I think they're actually going to try to fight for a playoff spot, so the benchings might not occur until the very last week. Cleveland, they're a threat. Kevin Love is a big threat. These are just names. You pull them out of the sky. New York Knicks, they've got a bunch of these veteran forwards and centers all of a sudden. Those guys are all threats to get shut down. What about in the Western Conference as you look up and down the rankings out that way? How many of these terrible teams, well, not there aren't that many terrible teams in the West, but how many of the teams that are going to be near the bottom? Will Phoenix bench people down the stretch? Will Dallas, Minnesota? How many of these teams? Memphis is a really interesting candidate. New Orleans? All those teams have someone that's veteran status that could end up on the bench. Now, how much you bump these guys down your charts is up for discussion. Are there guys you 100% avoid? For me, you know, talking about someone like Chris Paul in Oklahoma City, he's a guy I'd probably avoid. I probably am not looking at Danilo Gallinari on that same team in a head-to-head format. These are guys that I adore in Roto Leagues because of how good they are on a per-game basis 
And with the game's cap, you just have to figure out how to fill in the other 15 to 20 games with a hot waiver wire pickup. Even if it's just like an injury backup for a week or two. You do that three or four times, you're all set. You kind of want to have those guys in your lineup, and the game's cap with an injured guy gives you that opportunity. In a head-to-head, you're holding that guy, and you're taking zeros. That's crushing. And also, as we mentioned, shutdown, that is in your fantasy playoffs. I'm less, I'm way more worried about injury-prone guys in head-to-head than I am about shutdown guys. I think we make way too much of guys that get shut down for the year. There's usually only a handful of players that truly just skip the last, like, month of the season. Eric Bledsoe in Phoenix was one that got shut down at the All-Star break. Uh, And other examples of this are actually somewhat hard to come by because Kevin Love was shut down early last year and then played a little bit later before skipping, I think, the last week and week and a half or something like that. Teams were pre-tanking last season as opposed to tanking at the very end. Uh, Bradley Beal, obviously, you know, he was an interesting note. He played out the stretch last season. There's a lot of question marks as to whether he'll play out the stretch on a terrible Wizards team this year. I'm not that worried about that type of thing because if you're ending your league basically on April 1st like you should be, or I haven't looked at the exact day. We'll pull it up right now. Uh, Would be, I think, March 29th. Then there's 10 days left. Season ends, what, April 8th this year? Um Or is it the 15th? Either way, if you shave off that last week and a half of ultra silly season and the final four to six games for most teams, three to five games, whatever you want to call it, you effectively remove the true shutdown season. There's very little you can do outside of shortening the season to like two weeks after the All-Star break to completely get rid of the silly season. It just, it can't really be done. And frankly, I'd rather have a little bit of the silly season because I love fantasy NBA and I want it to last two to three weeks longer. If you're in a league where you guys are all playing where the buy-in's like $500 and there's six grand on the line, I get it. You want it to be as safe and fair as humanly possible. Shorten it. Shorten the season until the All-Star break and start the playoffs right after the All-Star break. Make them three or four weeks long. Completely remove the silly season. That's fine. But if you're like most of us, myself included, where you're playing in $50 leagues and $100 leagues and $150 leagues. Okay, you're starting to get a little bit bigger there. But what I'm saying is to me, you know, a $100 investment, which is, you know, we're not an exorbitantly wealthy household over here, but we're fine. $100 investment is not that big of a deal over six months. You know, it's, you know, whatever it is, $16 a month, basically. It's like an Amazon Prime account. I get it. If you increase that by five, six, seven fold, that's a bigger deal. So you want it to be ultra fair. But if you're paying in a league that's like a $15 a month league, effectively, a $100 buy-in, just stretch it another month. Make it fun. Make it fun. So to me, just wipe out the last 10 days. You're going to mostly wipe out shutdown season. You're going to have guys that are playing every other day and weird rest games and stuff like that. But you just hope that that kind of levels off between all of the teams in your league. And for me, those are the big factors when I'm weighing my head-to-head draft versus my roto draft. The other strategic decision, because those are more uh, a settings issue and an injury issue, the strategic decision for me in drafting head-to-head versus roto is that in roto, I believe if you target percentages you can almost guarantee yourself a top four finish regardless of what the rest of your team does. Because in a standard 12-team league, if you win both percentages, you're at 24 points. And a lot of those roto leagues, you can win with like 70-something. It doesn't take a ton in a competitive league unless someone's you know totally boat racing and they, they rack up 80 points or whatever it is. And you're like... You're more than a third of the way there with two of the nine categories. That's stellar. That's that's fantastic. So then you just need to be okay in most of the other stuff, which you can achieve. I love percentages in Roto because there's very little variance when it's added up over the entire season. Whatever you are is what you are. In head-to-head, 
every week is a total crapshoot and a roll of the dice in percentages. Even if you have a really good percentages team, you could have a bad shooting week and get blown out. You could have a really good shooting week on a bad percentages team and win. It fluctuates heavily on a week-to-week basis. So in head-to-head, I actually don't target percentages nearly as much. I think there's a little bit less variance with free throw shooting than there is with field goal number. Because, you know, if you have someone like Russell Westbrook, he could have a 50% shooting week. That helps you win, and then he could shoot 26% on 100 shots the next week and totally tank you. Whereas with free throws, it it does settle in a little bit more. There's variance, but it's not quite as severe. If you have a really good free throw shooting team, you're probably going to win that most of the time. And you could make the same argument with field goal percent, but you'd have to be a pretty big, heavy lineup. So in head-to-head... I do make adjustments for what I'm targeting. This is a strategic decision. It doesn't change the ranking of the players involved. It just changes how much I would want them on my fantasy team. I would suggest you guys largely do the same. I don't, I don't think that it's a wise decision to target percentages in a head-to-head league. I think it's great if you come out with good ones, but I think it hurts you way less if you come out with bad ones or middling ones. Because if you just put yourself in the middle in both percentages in a head-to-head league, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. And that's probably what's going to happen even if you're at the upper or the bottom portion of being in the middle. It doesn't really even out. You could have a really good shooting a week against a terrible team that also has a really good shooting week and lose. You could have a terrible shooting week against a team that also has a terrible shooting week and win. It's hard to say if that's going to balance out on a week-to-week basis. Over the entire year in Roto, it does. So in head-to-head, I think you do lean ever so slightly more towards counting stats. Threes, points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. I think you lean a little bit away from percentages. Maybe, you know, not not punt them. That is not what I'm saying here. Don't be terrible in both and try to lose them. Just be okay and assume it's going to level off. And with turnovers, you almost have to punt them in head-to-head because the team that has the more, the higher number of games played on any given week is often the team that wins. And it's also happens to be the team that usually has more turnovers. If you have more games played, you're going to probably have more turnovers unless you're a total punt turnover team. So I'm not saying necessarily punt turnovers, but I am saying you can probably punt turnovers. (laughs) I have no problem with that in a nine cat head to head league. I still like that that category is there because someone might try to be better at it and if you happen to have a week where a lot of your guys are injured or whatever it's nice to get that sort of gift category back as in sorry your team is dead here's one point for turnovers but I mean this is why we talk about streaming particularly in the playoffs but you could stretch it into the regular season as well you're probably going to lose turnovers if you're streaming every week if you're using your four weekly moves or whatever it is to maximize games played you're probably going to rack up more turnovers than the other guy because you're trying to get four to six more games than the other guy. You can do some pretty quick math on a calculator. I'm not going to do it on air because I don't think it's that important. But let's say that, uh, you know, you start 10 guys and you have a three or four player bench. You're probably going to have about, what, 45 games played? If you utilize every single game played that year, if you stream, that 45 becomes, what, 50, 51? What does the turnover difference have to be if you have 51 games and your opponent has 45, how, many, how much better do you need to be on average in turnovers to win that weekly battle? The answer is, it's doable, but it's not likely. Over the long run, you're probably going to lose that more than you're going to win it. So, don't worry too much about, sadly, I say this sadly because these are some of my favorite Roto guys, but in head-to-head, I often take some of these dudes off the board because they're top skill is not turning the basketball over. So, for instance, someone like a Brooke Lopez, who's fantastic in Roto, doesn't do a ton for you in head-to-head. He's going to put you in good position in blocks, but part of what makes him so great is that he only averaged one turnover a game. Fine, that's stellar, but I would rather have the guy near him in the rankings that averaged more than that and did other stuff. Miles Turner is an interesting example. He was about one and a half turnovers per game, so still a positive there. 
but I'd rather have the rest of his stuff. Even though he and Brooke Lopez were ranked within five slots of each other, I give Miles a giant head start. Or even look behind Brooke Lopez in rankings from last year. And we're talking about now uh, on a per-game basis, not even the totals, because obviously Brooke being fully healthy was was a big feather in his cap. Uh, I'd rather have DeAndre Ayton, even though last year he was 34 and Lopez was 31, because Ayton scored four additional points, rebounded five more per game. Yeah, you were down a block there, but far better percentages, and the turnovers were higher. And that's why. I mean, if you moved Aiton's turnovers down to the same as Brooke Lopez, which is effectively what you do by punting, you take that category out, he was in front of him. Lopez takes a big hit in that department. So these are some of the things I think you want to think about when you're comparing head-to-head and Roto Games format. By the way, I came into this podcast not intending to talk about this. And I just spent 15 minutes on it. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I think that was a relevant thing here as we get set uh, for the start of the season. That was one of my favorite questions on Twitter that's very hard to answer in uh, a couple hundred characters. So the advantage of having a podcast. All right, here's what we're going to do now. I had two nine-category roto drafts over the weekend. I want to go through the draft results from those pretty damn quickly here. I'd like to try to talk about 100 players over the next half an hour. So that means three a minute. Can we do it? I will only pause to discuss a player when I think it's relevant. So here we go. Uh, draft number one. Yeah, it doesn't matter what order they were in. Both 12-team, both nine-category Roto Leagues. Round one, Cat, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard. This was a, a finger slip. It's our buddy Rubens here at, uh, at Hoop Ball. He's, he's given me the results on that one. Uh, James Harden and then Giannis. Jokic. And then Damian Lillard, top eight, which is normal other than the finger slip. Joel Embiid went at nine. LeBron James went at 10, which I thought was kind of interesting, pretty early for a Roto League. Bradley Beal at 11, Jimmy Butler at 12. All of that, with the exception of LeBron, is basically what I would have expected. A couple of guys went a little later than I thought. Uh, Round two started with Rudy Gobert, then Drew Holiday. Thought you'd probably see those guys flip. Kyrie Irving. Went third in the second round. I think that was a really nice get for the team that had LeBron. Uh, Kemba Walker went fourth in the second round. Andre Drummond, that was me. Yes, a little bit early, but I figured with Dame, kind of wipes out the free throw situation. Luka Doncic in the middle of the second round. That's where he's been going, even though it's not my favorite spot. Vooch, Miles Turner, Mike Conley went pretty early in this one. Uh, That's just 21. He's obviously one of our favorite guys at hoop ball as an old man dude, uh, but he probably would have fallen a little bit farther. Paul George at 22, Trey Young at 23, and DeAndre Ayton at 24. The rest of that stuff is pretty straightforward. You guys like this pace? This is lightning round style. Round three, Russell Westbrook uh, at 25. He's finally going where he belongs in drafts, which is kind of amazing. Devin Booker, Pascal Siakam, John Collins, and Draymond Green. That's the first five in that one. Bam Adebayo. This is one I want to pause on for just a moment. We're seeing him go way earlier than the ADPs are indicating. Okay, this is why this is why we're going fast because I want to leave myself time to talk about stuff that I thought jumped out. Bam Adebayo has an ADP far higher than where he's actually going. This is really important for you guys to hear and listen to. His ADP on Yahoo is 55, and in this draft that we were just talking about, he went at 30. Really important for you guys to hear this. He went a little bit closer to 55 in the next draft. He went at uh, 47, but he's not getting to 55. It's not happening. You cannot wait to round five. If you want Bam Adebayo, you have to get him earlier than that. Okay, that's the first guy I wanted to highlight. Uh, Donovan Mitchell came after Bam. Chris Paul, that was me. You guys know it. Anytime I say Chris Paul on today's podcast, he's probably on my team. I had to do it, guys. I had to in a roto format. This is at uh, 32 because I didn't think he was coming back to me in the fifth pick of the next round. I didn't think there was a chance that was going to happen, and I didn't want to risk it. The guy I would have taken if I didn't take Chris Paul, LaMarcus Aldridge came off the board right after him. Mitchell Robinson, Jaron Jackson Jr., and De'Aaron Fox. Another brief pause here at the end of round three because these. this is where I think we want to find out where some of these buzz guys are going. We have a pretty good feeling 
for where a lot of the other names on the board that we've mentioned are going so far. Not too many guys way out of position, right? Maybe a little early on Luka, a little early on Mike Conley, a little early on LeBron, and obviously the finger slip on Kawhi Leonard, but we're not going to talk about that one because it's not relevant to our results here. The BAM pick at 30 is interesting. I'm not saying it's good or bad either. I'm not even uh, venturing an opinion on it. I just want you guys to know that this is this is closer to where he's gone. He's going in the 30s and 40s. He's not making it to the 50s. It's just not happening if you're in a mildly competitive league even. Uh, Mitchell Robinson is going towards the end of the third round. We've seen him taper off a little bit here towards the end of draft season. He kind of had his weird coming out party and then everybody was like oh god the Knicks are going to screw this up and so he's now faded back into the 30s I think you can wait that long if you want him Jaron Jackson is going in the 30s as well which I figure is worth pointing out because his ADP is 40 and I don't think he's making it to that point pretty much anywhere have we seen him make it to 40 he's getting close he's 30s mid 30s in general but he's not you're probably not getting him in the fourth round if you are, it's right at the front. Fourth round. Jason Tatum, Thomas Bryant. This is pretty damn early for Bryant. That's pretty damn early. Uh, that's 38. I can't, I can't get on board with that one. Um, I don't know that this is where he's going in every draft, but I think that he's kind of overshot his skis a tiny bit with some of the hype. Uh, he went at 50 in my other draft, which I think is closer to where he's probably going to go in yours. Which also means I'm probably not going to get him because there's a bunch of other guys I'd rather get around 50 before I take a chance on Bryant. He could have a really nice year. I just, you're, that's a big roll of the dice early on. And to me, the upside is capped a little bit because he's not going to be a big part of the offense. Ben Simmons, he's finally slipping to where he should be. Buddy Heald, Tobias Harris, I wanted Buddy. I took Tobias because Buddy came off right in front of me. And uh, I probably could have waited a little bit longer on Tobias, but I didn't think he was getting back to me. And and to me, he was the best name left on the board. Blake Griffin, Kyle Lowry went a little bit early in this one, I thought. Middle of round four. You know, that's mid-40s. He would have been there around later. later. I, I don't think that that needed to be... I don't think that needed to happen as early as it did, but he's not going as late as the ADP suggests. His ADP is 57. He's not going that late. D'Angelo Russell, he slipped a little bit in this one. Lowry and Kristaps Porzingis was a pretty good pick, I think, towards the end of round four. He's falling with the load management stuff coming out. Otto Porter and Rob Covington. Uh, Otto Porter, there was some news about him potentially being load managed. And no, I'm not worried about it. I'd rather he be healthy for 72 or 73 games than beat up for 75. To me, that's, that's really all it is. He was going to miss games anyway for injury. This is to try to preempt that situation. Uh, we're going to speed through. I wanted to do the top 50 in each of these drafts, but now as I'm doing it, I'm thinking I want to highlight a few of the key names that even went after the top 50. So round five, DeMar DeRozan, Zion. Yeah, that's right. Middle of round five. Well, early round five with the injury stuff. He is tumbling, 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 but I don't think he's going to fall that far. I think you're going to see him fall instead of in the late 20s, early 30s, probably towards the late 30s going forward, unless we get some kind of good news on his injury stuff. Clint Capella, that's a nice pick in round five. Jonathan Isaac, Brooke Lopez, Jamal Murray, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Kevin Love, CJ McCollum, Zach Levine, and Julius Randle. Round six, Aaron Gordon, Al Horford, Derek Favors, Malcolm Brogdon, Jonas Valanciunas, who I think people are a little bit afraid of. I'm not. Wendell Carter Jr., Josh Richardson, Gallo, Shea, Gilgis Alexander, who, by the way, I wanted to stop and highlight his name for a minute because he's going in the sixth round and generally pretty early in it. So you do have to kind of make your move on him also, maybe even a little bit earlier than that. I think this is farther than he's usually falling. Karis LeVert also went in the sixth round uh, of this draft. He went later than that in my other draft. He went in the seventh there. And in terms of guys that you have to sort of reach for a little bit, that's as far as I wanted to go. A couple of interesting names to kind of pluck from the later portions of this draft. Uh, Kelly Oubre went in the seventh of this draft. So did Victor Oladipo, who's a stash guy. John Morant also went in the seventh round of this one. 
And then beyond that, you're very much in no man's land. Other draft. As we move to the other one here. I want to get through both of these bad boys, and, and we're moving at a pretty good, really good clip, actually. Anthony Davis, James Harden, Steph Curry, Giannis, and Katz. There were no finger slips in this one, which meant the eighth-place team did not get Damian Lillard and went Bradley Beal, which I think is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. LeBron James went nine instead of ten, so he actually is he's hanging out at the end of the first round. I, I think that's too early, but interesting, because maybe you see that happen. That's a move I would sooner make in a head-to-head league where I'm not as worried about free-throw numbers because he really can be a force on field goal percent on a week-to-week basis. He doesn't have too many bad shooting weeks. He'll have some terrible free-throw weeks, and he'll probably have a couple weeks where he's not as awful there, and then it's just going to be giant numbers across the board. So I get it. This is actually a move I'd make in a head-to-head league, or I would think about making. Probably go second round. Uh, but I don't know about Roto. That's that's a big drag. Joel Embiid, 10, Kyrie Irving, 11, and Kawhi Leonard, 12. That was me. I opened up the second round with Jimmy Butler. I'm actually pretty excited about that wing pairing. Yeah, I didn't get any point guards or big men in the first two rounds, but in a Roto League, I feel like each of these guys could be inside the top 10 on a per-game basis. That's pretty cool to have on your team when you're picking on the turn. Drew Holiday uh, went second in the second round, and Andre Drummond, Rudy Gobert, the big guys go back-to-back. Paul George went a little bit earlier in this draft. He went at 17, which, I mean, here's the thing. When he's back, he's a top 10 guy, maybe even a top 5 guy. Because Kawhi's going to take some games off. Paul's going to have plenty of stuff to do for the Clippers. I just, man, to draft a guy that you know is going to miss the first four weeks of the season is, that's a hard sell for me. I'd I'd have to be, I believe, you kind of need a top five pick to take on the Paul George risk. Which might not be the case. You know, maybe he does make it back right at game 11 and could still play 72 on 72 games. Then this becomes a fantastic pick because 71 games of a top five guy is still basically a top five guy, maybe top seven at worst. But if he misses any extra time, if he misses another one, two, three, four games, if he misses the first 13, you're talking about a maximum now of 69 games played. That's without any other missed games, which there likely will be. And he's not going to be 100% coming back from two shoulder surgeries. And once, even once he's ready to go, there's going to be some timidness if he gets bumped. What if he turns an ankle and has to miss a week? You just can't afford any of that stuff. Unless you already have AD, Steph, James, Giannis, or Cat on your team. In which case, you got a guy that's just going to hoist the whole damn team onto their shoulders and carry them for stretches. If those guys don't miss a ton of games, you can absolutely gamble on a guy like Paul George and say, look, when he comes back, I'm going to have two top five guys on my team. I'm going to be freaking untouchable. And if he comes back a little bit later, no biggie. AD's just going to work me through the first six weeks. Luca went at 18 in this draft as well. I mean, you're basically saying I'm punting turnovers by taking him at 18, I think. Even if the percentages get fixed, the turnovers are going to be pretty damn high. I'm just... I'm just not a fan of it. It's too early. There's almost no way he gets to top 18 in 9-cat. Vooch... Pascal Siakam went early in this one. Pick 20. I think that's too early. Trey Young at 21. Kemba at 22. That's kind of nice. That's probably where he should be going. He got a big bump because he's just more durable than a lot of these other guys, but is he really going to play all 82? I mean, Boston, do they want to run him out there every night? I don't know. I think he misses five or six games this year. DeAndre Ayton and then Devin Booker to finish out uh, round two. John Collins to start round three. I mean, this stuff is all fairly straightforward. Donovan Mitchell, Miles Turner, De'Aaron Fox a little earlier in this one. Ben Simmons, middle of round three. That's going on a team with Cat and Pascal Siakam, so that's a little bit of a dent in the free throw percent there, but I I guess you hope that it can weather that storm. Mike Conley, middle of round three. He went at 30 in this one, which is, I think, a little bit more what you're going to see. Mitchell Robinson, Buddy Heald, Clint Capella. Uh... That's the LeBron, Rudy Gobert team. So that team is cooked in free throw percent, but going to be very good in field goal percent. Zion, 10th pick of round three. That's something we were monitoring. So that's pick 34. Chris Stops went at 35 in this one as opposed to late 40s. And then Chris Paul, that's me again, at 36. 
I got both of my old guys here. LaMarcus Aldridge at 37. Jaron Jackson Jr. went at 38. So he's, again, going in the 30s. Russell Westbrook, the world forgot about him, myself included. I would have taken him over Chris Paul, and I just frankly didn't see he was there. That's a that's a bonehead move on uh, a few of our parts. Me, most notably, because I had two guys, and I just got so caught up in the, hey, Chris Paul and LaMarcus are still there thing, that I didn't look around and see, oh my God, Russell Westbrook's still on the board. So that's a fantastic pick. Draymond Green was the next man off the board, then Jason Tatum. DeMar DeRozan, middle around four. It's a little earlier than we're seeing him go. Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, Kyle Lowry, Otto Porter, Bam Adebayo. There he goes. End of round four in this one. So he went a little bit later. We talked about the fact that Bam went in the middle of round three. He was picked 30 in the first draft I talked about. Uh, he is at 47 in this one. I think where you're going to find him is probably smack in between those two. Late 30s. If you want him, that's where you got to go to get him. D'Angelo Russell finished out round four. Uh, round five in this league, Rob Covington, Thomas Bryant. So again, that's what we're talking about, right around 50. 40 to 50 range. That's too early for me. Al Horford, Brooke Lopez. This is, by the way, a crushing stretch for my basketball team, watching these players go off the board. I have the last pick of this round, and I watched, listen to these names, Covington, Bryant, Horford, Lopez, Markinen, Kevin Love, Tobias Harris, CJ McCollum, Malcolm Brogdon, Zach Levine, and Jonas Valanciunas. My cue, I'll just tell everybody listening, and if you're in the league and listening, you can hear it too. My cue, which I set at the beginning of the round, included Covington, Horford, Lopez, Markinen, Love, Harris, Brogdon, and Valanchunas. I had eight guys on my cue, and I thought, one of these idiots will make it to me at the end of the round. All of them gone. I had an eight-man cue that got chewed up in 11 picks. That doesn't happen very often. And so then I got stuck. This doesn't happen to me very often either. I thought for sure I would get one of those guys, and that would buy me as a 90-second per pick snake draft. Then I thought, all right, well, I use basically three full minutes to figure out who my other guy is going to be if I only get one. If I get two of the guys on my queue, fantastic. I'll wipe them out real quick. But if I only get one, which is what I was banking on, I thought one of these eight guys will make it to me. I, I thought it would be either JV or Brogdon. Or Kevin Love. Those are the three I thought had the best chance to make it to me, and, and none of them did. Maybe even Brooke Lopez, and he didn't make it either. Or Horford, he didn't make it either. Doesn't matter. You guys are listening to me complain here, and that's not what this is about. This is, I think, a lesson now in what to do when you get stuck in one of these spots. Eight guys in my queue, gone in 11 picks. And I hit a little bit of a wall. I bashed my head against the wall. And I thought, I mean, the next series of names the next guy i really truly wanted was shay gilgis alexander and then i thought well how can i can i really justify taking him at 60 if he's going off the board in 70 to 70 to 80 range is this a point where i can either a take a guy i like too early or b just say you know what i'm probably not going to get him and, tr and maybe he'll make it back in a crazy universe. Probably not. 90% chance he's gone before it gets back to me. But take someone else who I think is going to come off the board sooner and has, say, a 0% chance of getting back to me. And I hemmed and hawed, and I went back and forth, and I looked at my team, and I looked at the B-150, and I looked at my own rankings, and I did too much. I did too much. Lesson number one in fantasy drafting. Don't do too much when it's your damn turn. Unless it's a slow draft. If it's a slow draft, you can do whatever the hell you want. In a draft where you got 45 seconds or 60 seconds or 75 seconds or 90 seconds, don't do all the things that I did. I had no one in my queue, and I couldn't decide what direction I wanted to go. So I looked at my team. This is a, a cardinal sin, and I saw... Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler, and I thought, great. Uh, my wings slash guards are going to be good in both percentages. My defensive stats are going to be crazy high, especially steals, but you'll also get a couple of blocks out of those dudes. Uh, I'm going to be able to score. My free throw percent is great. I'm going to rebound well from my wings. My turnovers are not going to be that bad for high usage guys. Then I saw Chris Paul. I thought, okay, turnovers are still good. Even with a point guard, that covers up my assist issue. 
I think his field goal percent comes back. My free throw number is still fantastic. LaMarcus Aldridge, that'll get me a couple of blocks. I'm still a little bit weak in that department. Uh, scoring is still okay, but not great. I probably, you know, you got some 20-point guys mixed in there, I would say. Rebounding is pretty damn good. Steals are still good. Turnovers are low. Both percentages are great. What am I weak in? And I thought, uh, blocks. I'm weak in blocks. I'm weak in threes. And those are the two that stood out to me. Probably could use a little help in assists, but in this moment, I looked at the list of players available. I thought, okay, I'm weak in blocks. I'm weak in assists. The players I like the most on the board right now are Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Josh Richardson. But I don't really want to take them because, for one, I think Josh would have been exceedingly redundant with what I had on my team. And with Shea, I thought, well, if this thing doesn't pan out, he also doesn't hit any threes. I'm great on steals, which I think he's going to be good on. My percentages are great also. He's good in all the things I'm already good in. Same with Josh Richardson. But he would have hit some threes. And so then I hit the panic button. And I thought, crap, what can I do out here that shores up assists and threes and blocks? So I went threes and blocks, sort of, with Jonathan Isaac, who I think is going to get you at least one of each of those. Maybe a little bit early there, but that was the direction I went. And then with my next one, I thought, well, my team is stellar in free throw percent. LaMarcus Aldridge, Chris Paul, Kawhi Leonard, and Jimmy Butler are all among the best. Like, these are some of the best free throw uh, impact guys in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard... He hit 85% on seven free throws a game last year. That was inside the top 15. Jimmy Butler is always inside the top 15 in free throw stuff. He is 85.5% on five and a half per game. Marcus Aldridge, 85% again. Chris Paul, he was at 86%. It was one of the worst years of his career. So I could absorb a huge free throw hit. But what I didn't really have at this point was I wanted to get some more scoring. And I wanted to make sure that my field goal percent got a big kick in the pants. Because Kawhi's going to be good. He's around 50%. That's a winning number. Jimmy Butler's going to be around 46%, which doesn't hurt you. Chris Paul's a little bit of a wild card. I think he gets back up near 45 this year. And LaMarcus is going to be near 50. But I didn't have that one guy that was really going to punch my field goal percent all the way up the charts. And I thought, how the hell do I pull this one off? And I don't know why I'm going into so much detail here because I don't think that I don't know that this story is helping you guys all that much. The story, the point of all of this is that I thought too much. I should have just taken Josh Richardson because that was the guy I wanted there and worried about the other crap later. I should have just taken Josh Richardson and worried about the other crap later. I should have taken Josh Richardson and probably Steven Adams because my free throw percent was so damn good, he almost wouldn't have even made a dent. But instead, I went Jonathan Isaac and Julius Randle. And to this moment, I don't know why that happened. But I do know that these were not guys I was targeting. I don't think Julius Randle has that great of a roto game. His free throw percent isn't great, but the upside isn't either. (laughs) So uh, no defensive stats to speak of. Turnovers are going to be kind of high. So I hope that, I really hope he's scoring 20 points a game and getting me eight or nine rebounds and four assists because the rest of his stuff is refuse. Bad pick. Anyway... Uh, other key names that went off the board a little bit later than this, that's the reason you guys are tuning into this podcast, not to hear me complain about a draft. I understand if you guys turned the show off at that point, but I thought it was funny, and so story on not panicking. When it is your turn, if you get stuck, don't worry, especially this early. This is rounds five and six. Don't worry about positions you need. Don't worry about stats you need at this point. Just get the best damn player, because if I had taken the guys I wanted there, which was definitely Josh Richardson. And then after that, it was a little bit of a toss-up on a couple of guys. You take the guys you think are going to be, you know, top 50 potential, and you worry about the other stuff later. You trade them off if you have to. I mean, I don't think Julius Randle's inside the top 75, and I took him with pick 61. Jonathan Isaac could pan out. I'll give myself credit there. But don't panic draft. Don't take guys to try to shore up a weird category because there's always going to be somebody on the board later on you can do it with. Except maybe blocks. Anyway, other key names. Uh, Kelly Oubre went off at the end of round six. Damanis Sabonis went earlier than expected in both drafts. I meant to mention that in the other one. Derek Favors 
went off at the end of round seven in this draft, which I thought was pretty damn interesting. He's really fallen off the map. This is a guy that was drafted in the 40s at the start of draft season. uh, And now, I mean, that's 84. He went in the middle of round six in the other draft, but he's falling. He's falling fast. Uh, Karis LeVert went towards the end of round seven in this one. Miles Bridges went in the middle of round seven. And then again, after that, it's sort of you take the guy that you think has the best upside. You're not worried too much about who's coming back to you or or what you're doing here. I also, by the way, as a testament to the fact that I could have shorn this up later, I did shore up three-pointers later. I took J.J. Redick and Boyan Bogdanovich later in this same draft. So here I am in round five worrying about trying to make up three-pointers and worried about what stats I'm missing. And instead, I'm missing out on the guys I wanted. So lesson of the day. Don't worry too much about what stats you're missing early. I mean, if you end up playing your way into a team that's just not great in one particular category, so be it. If you have an excess, this is particularly true in Roto, because excesses in head-to-head are actually pretty good. That seals you up in a nice spot come playoff time. In Roto, if you win a category by one three-pointer or 153 pointers, you get the same number of points. So you might as well sell off 149 of those threes to shore up one of your other departments. That is what I think fell out of my brain as I watched eight guys roll off my queue in 11 picks. It happens to all of us. You are not alone. Take your time. Take the guy you like the most. Don't worry about what your team is lacking until the eighth round at the earliest. If you get to the eighth round... And your team has no assists, take Ricky Rubio or Jeff Teague. If you get to the eighth round, your team has no blocked shots, take Jared Allen or, I don't know, Serge Ibaka. If you get to the eighth round and realize your team has no three-pointers, take Joe Ingles or Freddie Van Fleet. If you need scoring and percentages, take TJ Warren. They're out there. The guys are out there. The one to two category specialists you can get in the 80 to 100 range. You don't need to do it at 60 like my stupid ass did. I love the rest of my draft in this one. Uh, I really like almost all my guys except Julius Randle. Total panic move. And uh, no, I'm not going to sell him to you because now you think I'm going to sell him off. Not a chance. I'm going to wear it like an idiot. If you guys are curious how I ended up, here's my two teams. You guys seem to like this part. Uh, If you're not at all interested in my two teams, you can probably tune out this portion of the proceedings. Uh, Team one for Dan, Damian Lillard, Andre Drummond, Chris Paul, Tobias Harris, Eric Bledsoe, JV, Oubre, Gordon Hayward, Dwight Powell, Derek, uh, excuse me, JJ Redick. I took Derek Rose at 128. We'll see how that goes. PJ Tucker, Jeremy Grant, Nerlens Noel, and Tim Hardaway Jr., who will likely be dropped almost immediately. League two. I love this team, actually. This is... I think this is, aside from Julius Randle, I think this team's end up going to be amazing. Kawhi, Jimmy Butler, Chris Paul, LaMarcus Aldridge. What a start. I was so thrilled with that. Jonathan Isaac, Julius Randle, Derek Favors at 84, Ricky Rubio. I don't know why I did that one. I probably didn't need the assist that badly, but screw it. I took it. JJ Redick, Boyan Bogdanovich, Derek White at 132. I don't like Derek White that much, but that's way late. Bazemore at 133, Dennis Schroeder, DeAndre Jordan at 157. I don't like him either, but 157, he'll be a top 100 guy. And then Rashawn Holmes at number 180 because, you know, damn it, why not? And that is how the two drafts over the weekend went, and I hope that information and strategy helped you guys in some way. A couple things of import that I need to mention to you guys. The Aaron Bruski newsletter, the first... Uh, official newsletter will be going out within the week. To those of you that have not heard me talk about it yet, the newsletter, the Hoopball newsletter, or the Hoopball Brews letter, is going to contain exclusive email-only articles from Aaron Bruski himself, our founder, one of the big legends of the fantasy basketball industry. You cannot get it on our website. You can't get it on podcasts. You can't get it anywhere except the newsletter. So go and sign up immediately. How do you sign up, you ask? Well, I'm tweeting the link out all the time. It's pretty easy that way. Follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. 
You can get the sign-up link through that way. You can also go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. We've set up a landing page where you can sign up as well. Hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Takes you eight seconds. Email, first name, click on the I'm not a robot button, and you're in to get the email newsletter. Two, we're still recruiting. A lot of you guys have written in, really excited about some of the amazing new folks that are likely coming on with us here. But if you'd like to get involved, we are still taking recruits at Dan Vespers on Twitter or in our forums. I read those as well. You can get at me that way. And finally, and this is the part where we got to, listen, we got to power the locomotive, guys. It is full season premium time at hoop-ball.com. The full season premium pass that we're calling Game Time Premium this year is on sale you get live Q&A video shows with our best analysts every night of the week, with the exception of Saturday, I think. We have six live shows every week. You get live premium articles, pickups and drafts and deep dives. You get betting information, DFS information. It is incredible. If you have a great draft and you just want to make sure you win, that's the way to do it. If you clunked your draft and you want somebody to help you with trades, with pickups, with drops, it's the way to do it. Coupon code still floating around, guys. Remember, I've been giving them out on this podcast for the last month and a half. So use one of those. Get the Game Time Premium subscription. Go to hoop-ball.com. Click on the Premium tab and then go to the Buy Now page. It'll have all the stuff that's for sale at HoopBall. Thanks for listening, everybody. I am once again at Dan Bespris on Twitter. The season starts tomorrow. I cannot wait. Good luck in your drafts. Bug me on Twitter if you got any questions. This is the time to do it. Uh, I'm going to be on my computer almost the entire day today and basically forever. Uh, again, hit me up if you want to come work for us here. Hit me up if you want to, if you have any questions, go get the Game Time Premium and rate and review the podcast if you've been enjoying all the stuff we've been doing here in Fantasy Draft Season. I am once again Dan Bespris. Have a lovely Monday, everybody. Again, talking to Dr. A on tomorrow's show. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.